what they what the apple uh, company do is that they would open some slots like 300 to 350 slots mm-hmm. for students mm-hmm. which they would reward as uh, prizes to scholars which are in some sort of stem organization that is science technology engineering maths i guess okay. mm-hmm. so uh, every college student is under that so if you want you can apply for that there's a competition which happens in march Hello and welcome back everybody. I'm Ishan Sharma and you are listening to Bitscast. This is episode number 6 and today with me I have a YouTuber with over 14 million views on his videos and over 100,000 subscribers and he is a book writer of the book called Learning ECMA Script 2017. He's already got a book coming out in February which is about learning React Native and he has a bunch of courses on Udemy uh, about uh, web development and he also has published a bunch of apps on the Play Store and he is the Apple WWDC 2019 scholar and he's also been recognized by Google and Microsoft for finding out bugs in their own websites. This was a pretty cool talk. I am super excited to have on this podcast episode Mehul Mohan. Hello Mehul, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming to this episode. Uh so tell me a little about your uh, childhood what was the environment that you were raised up in So um for me it was like I was introduced to computers in a very later stage for example in my home there was internet connection around when I was in class 6th and 7th mm. um I got introduced to computers mainly after that because before that it was just for playing games and stuff but when uh, like i had internet access then i had a whole new world opened in front of me mm-hmm. because i was able to like go into stuff like blogging eventually that got me into programming and then you know whole thing of like uh, entrepreneurship and everything started from there only mm-hmm. so yeah uh, i guess i could have started a bit earlier which, earlier yeah which oh was, my god <laughs> which sounds a little bit um, yeah. you know on the uh, side where i'm mm-hmm. shooting things but Uh, yeah that's that's like because a lot of students have access at a very small stage like class 1 2 3 you can see children with phones and everything right mm-hmm. now but yeah i mean if you want to pursue something you can just start it as soon as possible age is not a number for me that's amazing uh tell me the, what was the inspiration for you for starting code dam so for code dam it was basically like i used to learn from a lot of other youtubers as well at the pa- in the past mm-hmm. so there was uh, this one youtuber called the new boston which the is new like boston. still the number yeah, one yeah. youtuber mm-hmm. but he is not now he's not like putting out content mm-hmm. for some reason mm-hmm. but uh, what i realized was that i used to follow him big time mm-hmm. so he used to teach a lot of stuff but i used to think that well i can learn from him but i had a better understanding of like when i learned from the documentation mm-hmm. and from other three four resources so i just had a just had this idea in mind that what happens if i just combine all of that knowledge and present it on my own channel so that was like the motivation so yeah that led to like just creating videos for my own uh, for my own study for example when i used to teach something it would eventually help me to know that topic better so that was also one of the motivations the second one was like just to follow along the lines of the new boston mm-hmm. so he's a great free code camp is also another great yes. resource yeah exactly so i have free. a question for you like you release uh, tutorials like it's like tutorial 1 2 3 and yeah. and free code camp is like one complete one video for Correct. like 4 hours complete yeah so like uh, why do you take that kind of a path 
So everyone has a different opinion Approach. on that. For mm. example, if you are someone who's like comfortable with a 3 hour long video, mm. maybe you would watch that. But there are a lot of people who would like to have the content broken down into piece into chunks mm. where they can actually consume it on a maybe they are watching this on the go. For example, they are on uh, they are traveling somewhere. So you cannot watch a 3 hour video on that. Mm. Uh if you're sitting at home, it's uh you know holiday or anything, then you can watch a 3 hour long video so it yeah. depends on persons like the environment which is it in mm-hmm. so yeah that's the thing how do you come up with the uh, process for taking up a tutorial project like right now you were talking about ionic and firebase to make Correct. a social media network hmm. so how do you what is your process for deciding that i'll do this <laughs> next so it's mostly uh, on the basis of comments i get uh, what should the next topic be mm-hmm. i usually help polls as well in the youtube's community section itself but sometimes if there's nothing like that like i'm not uh seeing the comments or if there's no topic which is being raised then i'll go with something which i have recently learned and i want to you know learn it even more for example right now i'm starting to get into docker and stuff which mm-hmm. is like containerization and devops devops things so eventually i would take up that i have that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. but uh, right now i have like other a uh, playlist to complete so i'll just focus on them for now meanwhile i'm developing skills in that area which mm-hmm. would provide eventually provide value to the subscribers i was curious what is your favorite tech stack in uh, full stack development for me it's main, mainly involving javascript so mm-hmm. i would go with uh mon stack if you ask me mon stack is very Express, famous yeah react mm-hmm. and node but i'm like open to every other technology as well like i like to see it as an unbiased thing although yeah. i'm biased towards javascript and stuff mm-hmm. but still a uh, bias is dangerous only when you know you do not know that you're biased so mm-hmm. that's what i think that's amazing so recently <clears throat> the youtube algorithm has changed a lot yeah right and uh, i know like i have my sister and my father also starting youtube channels So what do you think uh, has changed and how would new content creators should approach YouTube So for me uh, the thing is I have never really cared about how YouTube shows the things I I honestly do not know how how I have hit 100 100,000 subscribers <laughs> also because for me it was always like just shooting the content and putting it out So that's that's the only strategy I have followed just mm. keep a tight look on your quality of the content maybe youtube is like shifting towards what do you call it uh, the ctr rate like how many people actually view your thumbnail mm-hmm. and then click the video so if you want a faster growth you can optimize towards that like thumbnails. catchy titles yeah. thumbnails all that but eventually it boils down to how good your content the is content because this could get you people in the short term but your content is something which would build your audience over the long term mm-hmm. so that is important Let's talk about freelancing. How yeah. did you get into freelancing like? So, uh freelancing was something I discovered in classes uh, when I was in class 8th and 9th. Mm-hmm. So, I used to just uh roam around internet, see what can be done. So, eventually I uh, understood that there are actually people who are earning money from internet, mm-hmm. which was like surprising to me initially. Yeah. But later on I uh, uh got to sites like Fiverr and you know Elance and Upwork uh, back in the days Freelancer. it was called Elance yeah mm-hmm. so freelancing was one of the ways i thought that i could actually learn to create projects because it is an amazing way to explore what other people are doing and what is the requirement in the market so for example if you sign up as a seller on fiverr 
then you're going to see there's a bio section you can go there you can see what people actually want to get done and you can basically just if you pick up any orders for the lowest price possible it would actually challenge you for me it was mostly like i wanted to get the orders so that i can actually practice on that so mm-hmm. that's not really the way to go about yeah. freelancing but still i got the reason i got into that because i pitched the lowest lowest bid so okay. i got the order then i used to learn what i need to do in order to complete this i used to learn it quickly mm-hmm. and that actually uh, eventually helped me to grow. isn't there like a cycle of uh, you have to have experience <clears throat> only then you will get uh, more nobody uh, i mean yeah obviously these are the like the standards and yeah. everything but nobody's seeing you right so okay. if you want to learn you can just learn mm-hmm. that that's not a, because on platforms like fiverr you can have very small tasks as well because it mm-hmm. starts from $5 or something i'm not sure about now yeah $5 but yeah earlier it was like you you just have to start from $5 so the tasks you uh, pick up there are not really human it's like i'll make a poster for you yeah correct so if you want to get into graphic designing or mm-hmm. maybe anything like video editing you can just pick up gigs there that's nice what do you think is the best website for freelancing would it be upwork fiverr or? i would say fiverr because fiverr. Fiverr would allow you as a beginner to enter into freelancing world. When you get like when you're confident with your skills and everything, then you can move to platforms like Upwork mm-hmm. because they are like more mature more platforms, professional more professional and it. higher bids platforms. So you'll get, you know, 1k, 2k dollars projects there. But on Fiverr you can just, you know, start your journey. How did the thought of creating a paid <clears throat> content on Udemy came into your thought because you were already creating content on YouTube? Yes. So for me, uh it was an interesting thing because what i observed was that i have uh, viewed some udemy courses mm-hmm. and what i saw that is that there's uh, mostly like equal to high quality content available on youtube as well mm-hmm. but still this is a uh, people's mentality i don't know what but yeah. they actually opt in for the paid things i think it's about with premium confidence yeah. yeah so they have like if i'm paying for this then that means i'm getting i'm getting something yeah, out of it yeah exactly so this is why a lot of people actually overlook some youtube content mm. so i just wanted to see what's the you know just wanted to test what's the thing like and it has actually worked well so you know if i create content for react native on youtube mm. and then just i publish the same video uh, same playlist with some extended uh, projects and everything on udemy then the conversion obviously is better on udemy mm-hmm. on youtube it's still the good thing like you can create the community and everything but udemy is like giving you a premium feel of like you're creating something so you have a personal support and everything so people i have seen like people mm-hmm. opt for that so like yesterday i was trying to create a responsive html css bootstrap website okay so okay. Uh, there was one uh, youtuber and he was teaching it uh, teaching it to me and i was just coding along with him and then he was like uh, if you want to go into depth i have a udemy course at the very end of it hmm. and and that just literally pissed me off <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was like I was so close to getting it, but then the the there was this bootstrap grid layout that he did not explain. Hmm. I have to look over it. So you can watch other videos like yeah. you do not have to stick to a single source. Hmm. That's my main thing how I learn things because yeah. if you just stick to a single thing then you will just get one perspective. Mm-hmm. Just move to multiple people, multiple sources. You talk a lot about the importance of googling. Yeah. <laughs> What are some other tips that you have? Like, do you have any special <clears throat> tips like Yeah, so for me, uh I whenever I I'm taking lectures like in the college or anywhere. So I would just pitch this 10 Google link strategy which I follow a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like if you want to learn something, if you want to learn about something or if you want, just want to clarify anything, uh 
what you have to do is just go to google write that whatever mm-hmm. comes to your mind random thing write it okay and just click on the top 10 links just open 10 new dabs mm-hmm. if your computer can handle it <laughs> and just visit every single of one of them mm-hmm. and read what the person has to say whatever mm-hmm. the person has written because the thing is that whatever you're trying to do right now as a beginner or as an intermediate there are very very high chances that somebody in the world has already done that mm-hmm. and there are very very high chances that that content They is available to help yeah in their content yeah so the content is out there the answers are out there you just have to look people do not look people uh, you cannot believe how many questions i get uh, in the youtube section that, that could be simply just google yeah, out and i literally like i literally myself just copy that thing and just google it and just send them what i find mm-hmm. so yeah people need to learn how to learn mm-hmm. so that is important that is one important trait ah uh, there's an amazing uh, course on coursera called learning how to learn they talk okay. a lot about that so yeah that that is one important life skill yeah. actually So uh you have you already have a book published are you planning on more books Yeah so there's one more book coming like maybe next month Oh wow so what, I'm what close is it about? to like uh, it's about react so react. it's react and basically how you can work with uh, progressive web apps with react and mm-hmm. next.js so it's a server side rendering framework So we are I'm like done with the book so it's all the publisher stuff going on right now so Which publisher do you use for this It's BPB publisher okay. from New Delhi Mhm yeah guys make sure that you look out for that book there will be a link in the description in the show notes of the podcast episode so uh talk to me a little about your experience in gsoc okay so uh for i have not really done gsoc uh i have applied it for twice yeah. but i got rejected both the times mm-hmm. now the reason for that i believe i have a strong resume mm-hmm. but still it was not going through was because i used to apply very late okay so i would apply very close to the deadlines mm-hmm. Um the first time I got an interview with Mozilla okay. so I was like very close to like uh, disclosing them for Cuz you already good with the uh, with clients when you were yeah. freelanced right so that is I think that is not how the GSOC works at least in my experience for mm-hmm. GSOC you have to like uh, consistently provide value to the company for at least a couple of weeks or so okay. it's not like if you are very uh, something like something you know that you can do it but they won't see that they would actually uh, put people on the top who have actually contributed in the repository uh, mm-hmm. for a long time so if you want to get into gsoc my number one tip is like just start searching for companies for, first of all which are there in the gsoc and mm-hmm. secondly find a project which pleases you and start contributing in that so that is very important because when you're presenting your proposal there you have to show that you have been working on that mm-hmm. i was trying to uh help the aima <coughs> con- corporation you know organization hmm. and uh, i just uh, cloned that complete repo and so i was looking into that repo and i uh, put in some comments and stuff and then i pushed it back and they were saying that uh, don't don't repeat yourself you know the dry approach yeah. use it i was obviously able to actually find uh, something to add to that uh, hmm. to that file so what do you how do you find that first issue So there's actually a dedicated issues tab on GitHub. Mm. So if uh, if an organization for large organizations they actually segregate it on the basis of tags also. So you would often find like first timer issues or you know uh, issues for people who have been contributing for the first time. So mm-hmm. you just have to search for them. See first of all you're going to you have to get familiar with the code base. It does not matter if it's csoc or anything. If it's a remote code base like if you are not coded it, you're going to take some time to get familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So set up your development environment whatever it is. Get familiar and uh, 
yeah i mean you can always reach out to mentors and people who have been working with the code base just mm-hmm. take their advice and get started with the issues which are there so that should be the way to go about mm-hmm. what do you think about the imposter syndrome in uh, software development like people uh, look at these big things that people are building and they feel that they are just not good enough to make it so honestly <laughs> it's a question uh, which is like uh, i have not really faced it myself so i won't uh, i could not really provide much okay. value on this one all right but i believe that if uh, this is the thing that you're not feeling confident in your yeah. skills and everything mm. then obviously it's uh, it's something you can is it about like making projects If no you, you can maybe you can just take a step back take a week off mm. see analyze uh, analyze yourself where you stand in life like get your thoughts together and see what you have to do to cu- uh, get out of this thing mm-hmm. so if you think that maybe you are developing something but you are not uh, entitled to that or maybe like you have been working with some project which you should not be working with that means that of confidence which is not there so you have to just obviously build it just take a step back see where you are and get started mm-hmm. with it that makes sense so do you consider yourself to be an apple sheep because <laughs> you are really. into a not apple really. ecosystem completely right yeah i mean now i yeah. am but not really because uh i would just say that uh macbook is like the best product from uh-huh. apple okay but not iphone not an iphone no. exactly I, I especially for india i wouldn't recommend iphone to anyone hmm the only reason i tried macbook and the only reason i tried iphone was just because i wanted to try something mm-hmm. different uh, i uh, had a chromebook in the past for the same reason because i wanted to try something but it just broke and it was like uh, not really good also with the everything because it does not come with linux and everything so you have to like install it side by side mm-hmm. so it was inconvenient but macbooks are like uh, the finest product apples have made apple yeah. have made but again they are a little bit overpriced so yeah. it really depends on if you want to go for that or not mm, but is it worth it the price that i would pay, say eventually it depends road, on what you do with it yeah, right like yeah. you are creating a content you are creating value for the people Correct. so it so, must be worth it yeah so eventually if you are able to get it run for like 3 4 5 years and you are consuming it properly mm. then it's obviously worth it mm-hmm. how do you balance it all <laughs> like you have a youtube channel going on you, yeah. you have to write a book you have courses huh. so uh, and how do you maintain everything i don't i just prioritize what i have to do and uh, don't really uh, stress out a lot on what's what i'm not doing i try okay. to do uh, what is important mm-hmm. currently for example i'm very uh, very casual with academics mm-hmm. which should not be the case obviously <laughs> if you ask anyone but same here <laughs> i'm like very casual with the academics and i know i got like 6 cgpa this first semester <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> that is too low but <laughs> no it's fine i mean if you are able to maintain a good track record of activities which you are doing outside your academics mm. i don't really think it matters but a lot of people are just stuck in the loop that they have to get good grades and everything mm-hmm. to succeed in life but that is not the case like this is not something people are aware about Oh. that there is a different path mm-hmm. apart from academics also but yeah it's fine like that's how the indian culture is for now so we can't really do anything about this mm-hmm. but still yeah if you want to manage things you have to like if you want to manage everything you have to obviously you know come up with a plan or everything but just see what works for you mm-hmm. so it does not stress you out you have a you know healthy lifestyle and everything but yeah that's how you do it 
Okay. So how was your WWDC experience? You it was were, amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, the best experience. First of all, how did you get it? Like, that is crazy to me when so, I look. Yeah, for WWDC, it's uh, mostly like what they what the Apple uh, company do is that they would open some slots like 300 to 350 slots mm-hmm. for students, mm-hmm. which they would reward as uh, prizes to scholars. which are in some sort of stem organization that is science technology engineering maths i guess okay. mm-hmm. so uh, every college student is under that so if you want you can apply for that there's a competition which happens in march uh, where you have to like follow the instructions from apple so there mm-hmm. there's some sort of guidelines yeah. so you just have to create an application or something And you made a vr application yeah right? i made a solar system kind of thing so ah. it's, yeah it's kind of like it was cool it was yeah, cool yeah, for yeah. me yeah <laughs> so i've seen the videos <laughs> yeah. yeah it was pretty good so uh you just have to create that application what did you use for that yeah you have to have a macbook for that right xcode yes you have to have swift f- yeah you have to have a macbook for that because i've been having because... ipads uh, from a long time uh, yeah. my first experience with apple was an ipad that i got in 2012 hmm. and i used to look into the app store they they used to have something like swift swift play, playgrounds over there yeah Uh, can you actually code into the iPad, or you have to have a, a MacBook for that? You have to have MacBook because coding in iPad is very inconvenient. Technically, okay. I've seen videos where people actually create things with iPad mm-hmm. with an iPad, but it's not convenient. They either, code on the on the cloud. They use something like yeah, Jupiter Lab something. Yeah, correct. So either go with uh, MacBooks or mm. just go with VMware and just build a MacBook image, which is strictly speaking not legal, but yeah. <laughs> VMware. Yeah, I mean just virtualize the ah. Mac environment. if you want you have been contributing a lot to the open source right not really i mean like <laughs> not, you have a thousand commits this year that's and last mostly, last year was 2000 commits yeah so that's mostly on like my own private repositories which okay. is includes the code dam only but okay. i have like a couple of bunch of npm packages and everything mm-hmm. and that you made yourself yeah and mostly uh, the code which involves like the code which i show in the videos for mm-hmm. the code dam part so that's the open source part other than that i have been working with free code camp also um, yeah in see larson yeah so uh yeah i'm an author there at free code camp news also so yeah. i have like a bunch of articles there mm-hmm. also so that's kind of like the open source thing i'm doing what is the like the best practices for uh, contributing mm-hmm. to open source Uh, if you are not confident uh, in your coding abilities right now, then I would recommend like instead of just jumping directly into open source, just work on the skills mm-hmm. like creating projects on your own. Once you are confident with that, try to associate yourself with an organization mm-hmm. like Free Code Camp, for example, okay. which have everything online, everything available online. Mm-hmm. And I would rather recommend you to start with smaller code bases. Free Code Camp has a very huge code base right now, mm-hmm. so if you want to just start contributing, you're gonna get uh, maybe. you can get a lot of time you need a lot of time to get yeah. get familiar so start with smaller code bases start with your own projects first of all try to create something which is useful for other people for example like npm packages is the best way to begin mm-hmm. if you ask me because you can just install it with a single line and if yeah. you have created something useful then uh, people use it a lot so that's the way to get get into like look for organizations mm-hmm. and start just start contributing in the repositories by looking at what issues they have in the issues tab Do you think that. that everyone should learn to code? You know, because uh, there are videos of uh, CEOs of big companies yeah. uh, saying you should learn to code. It is a skill that everyone should have these days. I believe yes, at least for the school level. At mm. the school level, we should 
teach coding um, as something as rigorous as we teach mathematics so everyone should not learn to you know know how maths work but still schools teach teach that because that yeah these days they are teaching like uh, basic and all my my sister was telling yes. me that uh, they are teaching q basic and yes i don't think that that, that should be taught right yeah it's right. too outdated I mean, of a technology correct correct but uh, yeah i mean that's how the education system is right now it's yeah. it's running 10 15 20 years mm-hmm. old so yeah that that the situation would be improved eventually mm-hmm. but yeah coding i believe is an important skill everyone should have that so that allows you to think in a different dimension like how the things should work how, how uh, a particular thing is working under the hood so that is like an important perspective you should have in in the things you are thinking about mm-hmm. so yeah what were some of the bugs that you found out in uh, google and microsoft <laughs> so yeah so i am uh, i'm actually interested in like security aspect as well i don't yeah. do security now because it's very time consuming and honestly it's uh, what you, is cyber security anyways like uh, cyber security is give me an example thing. of a problem that occurs in there uh, as a vulnerability yeah. in systems so for example uh, let's say you are creating a to do list app okay and uh, i can just add my task and everything and you have created a nice little app which mm-hmm. syncs with your database and everything mm-hmm. so what happens is instead of like writing a regular to do thing i write some malicious string which actually executes a command on your server and your server shuts down okay so the app is now offline and nobody can access it mm-hmm. so this is like a simple example of remote code execution okay so companies pay millions not really millions mm-hmm. but hundreds of thousands for vulnerabilities like remote code execution is this the capture the flag thing uh, no not really capture the flag is more like you deliberately place the vulnerability mm-hmm. to just allow people to grab a particular piece of string so that's a flag uh vulnerabilities uh would actually like the one i mentioned remote code execution mm-hmm. they are actually just the mistakes of developers and the programming practices and like open vulnerabilities in frameworks mm-hmm. it's a bit different than capture the flag but yeah. it under the hood uses the same exploitation concepts and you found use. vulnerabilities into google and microsoft yeah so that was uh, for google it was a cross site scripting vulnerability which on google.com it was on blogger.com blogger.com so blogger.com is a platform owned by google mm-hmm. but because they share the same uh, authentication space for yeah. example blogger logs in with your google credentials mm. so you can eventually get the cookies from blogger yeah and it was like 4 5 years ago now i guess they have even tightened the security even more mm. but at that time you could actually uh, if i send you one link if you visit that and uh, uh, if you see that page you're going to see in the background it just steals your cookies mm. and i have i would have access to your gmail your blogger your all your google link services oh my god so yeah that these was, are the that news that come right like yeah there's so a that, breach yeah it, technically you can just it's it's kind of like i have to just trick you into clicking a link mm-hmm. and that's it so yeah this is the kind of things indian media show a lot like yeah yeah so <laughs> clickbait kind of thing yeah. but this was actually real <laughs> mm-hmm. so so like uh, do you think that apple devices are secure from uh, mal- malware and attacks like those i wouldn't say that because uh what i have seen over the course is like apple follows security by obscurity a lot yeah because in this wwdc also they came up with a lot of security patches sign, sign in with apple was uh, yeah. the feature added so what apple do is that they want open source 
anything at all i mm. think swift is open source yeah but, swift is open source but that does not matter because app everything a lot of things apple publishes is closed source like mm. the ios software and everything so that follows the model of security by obscurity which mm. is not the best uh, practice what is that that means that you are creating a more secure layer by actually obscuring the stuff like hiding the stuff okay so you're not telling the end user what it is mm-hmm. so that means that you will not be able to break into but people are able to reverse engineer stuff anyway so that's the thing but apple because uh, again it runs over the top of linux and like linux kernel and everything so again whatever impacts linux would impact apple eventually mm. so it's kind of more secure because because uh, it locks you into a very restrictive environment uh, i could say that yeah. for a lot of people mm-hmm. but yeah for from a technical point of view it's not like unbreakable mm-hmm. so you worked into the uh, companies right like in, in in the industry for uh, various roles right not really i mean not. i've been i've been just uh, what was the million own. sparks foundation there that was my ps1 from bits okay. that is like compulsory thing we have what do you think that the things that we learn in uh, college do they really help you out no. into the industry they no. don't right no <laughs> <laughs> no no honestly no because i don't know about future but for now what you have to do is if you want to do something in life something big in life yeah. you have to start on your own Mm-hmm. because if college would start teaching you that then that won't be big enough mm-hmm. because then everyone would be doing it so if you want to achieve something good you have to do it on your own that that i think that would be the case forever because if uh, there's like a leak of the secret mantra or whatever yeah. then everyone would start following that mm-hmm. so yeah you have to figure out on your own what you have to do mm-hmm. All right Mehul thank you so much for coming into for this uh, episode thank you so much <laughs>